For Korean Americans, according to the stereotype anyway, it used to be that you grew up to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. There were a specific set of rules and expectations. Are you asking me to be in a porno? Is that what you're asking me? Thanks to some remarkably bad Koreans, though, things are beginning to change. I went to one year of law school and I walked out. So you're a bad Korean? Yeah, I'm a bad Korean. Any final advice for someone who's actually about to marry a Korean woman? The answer, don't do it! I took a walk through this beautiful world Felt the cool rain on my shoulder All I knew was that this town was going down and no one was showing up. And so we as Koreans figured that out really quickly. There's a point where you and I look at each other and say, They're not coming. They're not coming, Tony. You know, like it's the you, choppers will not be here anytime soon. So that's when all the stuff started to go down. Roy Choi is a second generation Korean American. He lives in Los Angeles. He's the owner, operator of four groundbreaking and much loved food trucks among the first to harness the strange and terrible powers of social media to alert customers to where to find delicious food. This was the command post. From here, you know, you could look and you could see if fires were going on. When the Los Angeles riots happened in 1992, Roy was 22 years old. And this plaza's rooftop played a central role for Koreans defending their town. But let's back up a bit. After the Immigration Act of 1965, thousands of Koreans began arriving in L.A. The first to arrive were mostly middle-class, college-educated, hoping to make a lateral move into American society. But unless you had a medical or engineering degree, that turned out to be tough. They found work as merchants, store owners, opened liquor stores, groceries, massage studios, dry cleaners. They did that in an area that was, as it's called, underserved, where major chains feared to tread, where others preferred to abandon, Koreans moved in. So 1992, four L.A. police officers are on trial for what sure as hell looked to me like a wildly excessive and prolonged beating of an unarmed Rodney King. In April of that year, they were acquitted. For me, it was a holy shit, I never saw that coming moment. For African-Americans, it was a somewhat ruder surprise. To say people were angry would be an understatement. They don't represent the people no more. South Central's that way. So you could right. almost feel it like a tidal wave coming. The LAPD were completely unprepared for what happened next. Everything you see right here, all this was being looted. Chairs and rocks and everything being thrown through walls. If you go straight down Western on Venice, the whole plaza burned on fire. We're calling 911, and there was no response. Did the cops come at all? I was here all three days. I didn't see any cops. Well, where did they set up their front line? Rodeo Drive. Where did the forces of law and order set up their perimeter? Not here. Koreatown was left to its own devices. 
The official borders are 3rd Street on the north end, Olympic Boulevard to the south, Vermont Avenue on the east, and Western Avenue to the west. That's three square miles left pretty much to burn or fend for itself. This rooftop quickly became the command post for rapidly improvised Korean defense forces. They armed themselves, set up crude but effective command and control, communication, and patrols. We weren't going around just slugging and, and capping people. All that was happening was, just don't break down my store. Making sure our parents, our uncles, our families, these stores, this town stays alive. 58 people were killed. Only a quarter of Korean-owned businesses survived, either destroyed outright during the riots or abandoned afterwards by owners who felt the entire underpinning of their contract with America had shifted. Yet today, Koreatown is bigger and better and forever changed by what happened in 1992. Dong-il Zhang, however, is as unwaveringly old school as you get. Roy and I sit down with Roy Kim, whose grandfather opened the place in 1978. Like most Korean restaurants at the time, you didn't mess with the original, ever. And like most Korean father-son relationships, you obeyed dad's wishes no matter what. My father opened all this, you know, redwood in and all this cherry and all this. But to this day, I can't touch certain things here. I can see he doesn't like to change the uniforms either. Uh, no. <laughs> but he still controls the restaurant. You just do the work. I just do the work. <laughs> As a Korean, he knows. We start with Bonchon. All those delicious little freebie plates of pickles, preserves, kimchi, a spicy squid snack or two. No banchan, no meal. You know what this restaurant has that a lot of restaurants are going away from is the um, is the chairless rooms. You know, the, the, the feet under, knees forward, feet oh, under. The, the tea ceremonies, the seating. Oh, yeah. No that was punishment for Koreans. That's, yeah. that's a punishment. And with the book over your head. For hours. What would a crime be? What got you into that uh, position? Yeah, I mean, it could be as, as minimal as a 94 on the test. Korean parents? Well, let's just say they veered towards the strip. Moms and dads were not, shall we say, conflicted about corporal punishment. I love that you both immediately recognize this. This is the roast gui. This is what we're known as thinly sliced ribeye marble. Oh, it's beautiful. Roast gui, thin sliced ribeye. And bulgogi, thinly sliced fat marbled beef, barbecued, tableside. For us Koreans, it's kind of funny that barbecue has become the gateway to our food, though. It could be worse. I mean, it'd be be worse, at least you know, it's delicious. It's delicious, and we're like, okay, this is the this is the portal, and we're cool with that. And this kimchi bulgogi, bokumbap. Basically, kimchi fried rice, but it fries into the pan like paella, or so many great rice dishes where that outer layer of crispy stuff is just the best. And the table-side cooking, I think people overlook that a lot. You know, This is like crepe Suzette, filleting a Dover sole. Oh, man, this is ridiculously delicious. Will you be doing this in 20 years? It wouldn't change. If we did change tonight, I would get a complaint. And you'd have to talk to your dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a problem. What do you do if you're a locavore in L.A.? You look around. What's local and delicious, artisanal and authentic, and as iconically L.A. as it gets? If you're Roy Choi, you see tacos. 
And with Kogi Truck, Roy Choi brought one of the first great mutation mashups of Korean and Mexican to the people. What started as one truck became four trucks and three brick-and-mortar restaurants to go with them. For me, Kogi was always one truck in my mind. But then the lines got big, you know, and it evolved. Hola, Hernando. ¿Qué haciendo ahorita? Nada. Solamente limpia. Okay. Roy trained at the Culinary Institute of America and interned at Le Bernardin in New York City. He runs his trucks like you'd expect of someone with that background. Within our food media landscape, we've romanticized certain compositions of what a great chef and a, and, and a great kitchen are supposed to look and smell and feel like. But just because those are beautiful doesn't mean that this is not beautiful. For me, I don't see mustard plants and sheep grazing. I see barbed wire and telephone poles. I see puddles and, you know, all of that stuff contribute to the flavor of the food. So it's truly what I call a terroir, you know, a, a regional food. And they're off. Every lunch shift and every evening, the truck's locations are sent out over Twitter. The locations change every day, and people flock quickly to find them, as the lines can get long, very long. I took a run with Roy as he made his nightly rounds. So how often do you make the full circuit between all of your uh, various enterprises? Twice a day, every day, unless I'm doing something crazy like this. So it's kind of like I have a, a huge Las Vegas hotel, but the hallways are the streets. <laughs> First stop, Chago, a rice bowl place in the Palms neighborhood. These are my guys right here. Hola. Hey, chef. ¿Qué pasó? puede? Kimchi spam, classic. Yeah, this is the menu right here. A big bowl of rice with meat, vegetables, and lots of flavor for less than 10 bucks. Good deal. I just find it so you're so sentimental about the business of feeding people. It's a trippy state of romanticism. Like, I'm very hard ass, too. Like, you pack your own shit, you get what you get. If you complain, I take the food out of your hands, I give you your money back. But within those rules, there's a lot of love, there's a, there's a lot of care. Across town in Venice is A-Frame, Roy's first brick and mortar. This used to be a IHOP. So oh, yeah. Yeah, everything's really uh, narrow. Hence the, uh, yeah. the shape. It's heavily influenced by local takes on Hawaiian cooking, not that you'd necessarily notice. Every dish designed to be eaten with the hands. What's good? The baby back ribs are air-dried, braised, then breaded and fried. Ling cod tacos treated like shawarma. Beer can crackling chicken. It's brined, rotisserie, then air-dried like picking duck, then fried. Meanwhile, not too far away on Sautel, a Kogi truck pulls up, stops, reverses back to the corner. Before the awning is even up, there's already a line. Hungry people have been waiting in cars or around the corner ever since the Twitter announcement 30 minutes ago. Yeah, this is just I feel guilty. I'm jumping the line, right? Wow. What's the longest line you ever had? 600. 600 people for one truck? The Kogi Taco. Double caramelized Korean barbecue short rib on fresh corn tortilla with salsa roja, 
cilantro onion lime relish, and a Napa cabbage romaine slaw in a chili soy vinaigrette. Oh, yeah. The, the rep for Kogi is that we go everywhere. We go to every single corner of the county and the city. We're not just going to the hip areas. What about fantastically, what about Bel Air? Can you pull up like at a corner in a residential area in Bel Air? Yeah, yeah, what go. happens then? Do you get aroused in or? What? No, no, they come out in the Versace robe and. Uh, that I gotta see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills at lunch is crazy. Why should you be excited about food trucks? Because they allow creative chefs like Roy, without a lot of money, to start creating and selling their stuff, introducing themselves to the world without having to gather up a million dollars or credulous partners. And they're affordable. They're democratic. And they are faster, better, and infinitely preferable to fast food like the king and the clown and the colonel. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Stereotyping coming. Look, how do I put this? Good Korean kids grow up to be doctors, lawyers, or engineers, goes the story. There are expectations. But what if you're a bad Korean? What if you were Korean-American and you just didn't give up? What if you looked around, asked yourself, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Where do I fit in society? And were unsatisfied with the answers you were getting? What if you were an insanely talented artist and a small startup company called Facebook asked you to do some murals in their offices and they paid you in stock and you became ridiculously wealthy and you still didn't give up? Well then, you might be David Cho. Hi, I'm Dave Cho. You like me? Is that an AK piñata? That is an AK-47 piñata. Wow. So, I mean, this place is in downtown LA. So I try to have as many weapons, like, hidden throughout. I got ninja swords and ninja stars and... You need, you need a puppy, man. <laughs> you need a puppy. I do need a puppy. <laughs> I'm going to paint you today. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. All right, so just sit, sit right there. And sorry, don't usually paint this early in the morning. Okay. I'm going to go more expressionistic, if you don't mind. 
I want to know, you were on record, you said you know, young people are looking to follow your road to success. Your advice is, whatever you do, don't date a career girl. Oh, uh, okay. I try to be open-minded about things, right? But, well, I'm racist, you know? For me, I've given it a shot, and then I end up in this situation where I feel like I'm dating my mom. So what characteristics in common were... were, were overbearing. Like, overbearing. Uh, jealous, unreasonable, like, <laughs> unrealistic about life, demanding, like, it's... I mean, I could go on and on, but also the men, too. Like, if you're a woman, I wouldn't never recommend dating a Korean guy. For the very few women out there that are into Asian guys, if you are going to go that route, definitely go Chinese. Yeah, come check it out. Oh, yeah. Whoa, awesome. <laughs> wow. I don't know, what do you think? Dude, <laughs> I'm honored. I've never had my portrait done before. Thank you, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. And this shit gonna be worth some money on eBay for sure. Now I'm definitely ready for Sizzler. Nice. Standing tall and prominent amongst the many Asian and Central American restaurants in the community, one place holds an unexpectedly cherished position in the collective memories of many second-generation Korean-Americans. I am personally unfamiliar with the Sizzler brand, though I know it by name, but never have I managed to actually cross its doors. After you. Thank you. Wow. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I got my Sizzler outfit on. So here's the thing. You can get like a steak and then add the salad bar with right. it. You get the best bang for your buck or you could just get the salad bar. I gotta have a little bit of steak. I am gonna go traditional and just get just the salad bar. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks. Excellent. Oh yeah. For your elders. Oh, now you're getting all Korean. Huh? Yeah. Super embarrassed right now because we're in Koreatown and I'm taking you to eat at Sizzler, which for a lot of Koreans is the best food in Koreatown. Um, so if you eat non Korean, this was it. We never ate out ever. And if we did, it was McDonald's. And if it was a birthday and a special celebration, you want to kick it up a notch and go a little bit more special, then it was Sizzler. This is a judgment free zone where there are no mistakes. A world to explore incongruous combinations without shame or guilt. Free of criticism from snarkologists. Because there are no snarkologists at Sizzler. Obviously, here's all the accoutrements for making a nice nacho taco salad. And here's right. all the stuff for like pasta, pasta, spaghetti, whatever. The move is you get a hard taco shell and you put meatballs in it. This is Italian-Mexican dining. And you make a meatball taco. And there's nowhere else in the world where you can have this. You put three meatballs in the taco, some guacamole, and then you put all this nacho cheese, all this other stuff. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm going for the full south of the border experience here. All right. Oh, there you go. No, no, I'm not kidding around here. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking, my friend. It's a little bit nicer than I remember. There it is. That's the best bread that you can get. So you tell me if you like that. 
Oh, no, wait a minute. Are you saying that the cheese toast is complimentary? It's complimentary, and once we found that out, we would order stacks of it. So it was our favorite part of Sizzler, and we were like, we need to figure out how to manufacture this at home. So were you good Sizzler customers, your family? Do you uh, think they were happy to see you when you come in? I mean, they um, I love this dish, man. I might, I might, when I go back, I might have to have a meatball taco. I mean, so we did, we like gooched the system a little bit, but not like completely abused it. There would be the guilt associated with, we never eat out, but now we're going out to eat. So you better eat. You gotta put down at least three plates. So what do you think of the bread? It's delicious. Yeah. Oh, I good. totally get why this would be a wonderland. No, everything's really good. For you, Sizzler, a happy place, still. Lots of memories, it's satisfying. We need more of this cheese bread. <laughs>
In East LA, you see people ooh and ah. You see expressions change from who is that to nice guy. I was like a full-fledged gang member, you know, giving us, like, props, giving us respect, you know? First, you build a car for yourself, but at the same time, you're building it for the streets, you know? You're building it for the people. You want them to appreciate it. Within the borders of Koreatown, it's not just Koreans. There are new arrivals every day. There is, in fact, an official little Bangladesh right in the middle of K-Town. Oh, man, there's all sorts of... so good in here. Uh, yeah, this is going to work. So you're not short of options around here? Nah, you can get tacos across the street, Korean bibimbap right next door, and then get goat stew. You can pray to Muhammad or Buddha. The tiny mosque next door where services are held five times a day. Talking to a guy in the parking lot, I said, This is the first little Bangladesh in America. Yeah. And that just happened like two years ago. Like, we went to sleep, we woke up, and it was little Bangladesh. <laughs> Here at Sawada, step right in for some curried goat, samosas, tandoori chicken. Oh, yeah, and this Lowry fish curry with no small amount of chilies. It's, it's yeah, such it's fragrant, good. aromatic, delicious food. What good food are you likely to find oh. within the confines of Koreatown? We have El Salvadorian, Guatemalan all around, Koreans all throughout, Pakistani, in Bangladesh food. Uh, Oaxaca takes over all of 8th Street. Mm -hmm. Why Oaxaca? Just that's the way it worked out. Mm -hmm. You know how it goes. Yeah. Probably one guy showed up. Yeah. Filipino fast food just behind us, mm -hmm. and then a bunch of riffraffs in between. Yeah. Filipinos are very proud of their food. Mm -hmm. Underrepresented. I think they're going through kind of what we went through, where the glass hasn't been broken yet to, to translate it, but still keep the core and soul of it. But it tastes delicious. A few blocks over, the iconic Filipino fast food chain, Jolly Bees. Laugh all you want, but ask any Filipino. They love this drive through mutation for specialties like this fried Spam sandwich thing. But it's the desserts where it gets really crazy. Decision's decision. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we'll take one Aloha burger and then one Spam little big bite. Uh, let's do a halo halo. That's it. <laughs> All right. Oh, look at that. What is, what, what is it's, that? It's uh, halo halo. Oh, yeah. Halo halo. Dig deep and you hit delicious stratas of red beans, white beans, and chickpeas. Cubes of red and green jello, young white coconut, shaved ice. And is that flan? It makes no goddamn sense at all. I love it. Part of every Pinoy Filipino's life. Hala hala. Nutsy, man. I gotta take a picture of that. It's oddly beautiful. All right. All right. You know I'm getting a bite of that little, what is it? It's little, a little big bite. Little big bite. Your favorite thing in the world. No, don't say that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's actually, I like that. It's good, right? Aloha. I mean, it just sounds magical. Is there like pineapple in there or something? Yes. Hence the aloha. <laughs> That's a very tasty burger. Nice char. Asian fast food. It's fast food, but it's made by like, it was just a single family owned restaurant. What family <laughs> made this? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not your the family. Jetsons, yeah. yeah maybe like it. It's actually very tasty. <laughs> Every single thing you like here. 
Wow, there's so much I don't know. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. It's true, Dad. We all look the same. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> he may be a Korean gone bad, but Dave Cho still tries, best he can, to be a good son. He bought them this house in Los Feliz and visits for family meals often. In fact, when we first met, sensing it had been a long time without a true home-cooked meal, he invited me to dinner with them. So guests are not unusual. Jane Cho is an amazing cook. It's going to be very delicious. Mom, Dad, Hello. look who's here. <laughs> Hello. Mom, Hello. Who's here. Can you smell something? Oh, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, all the good stuff coming. Maybe somebody going to hire me later. <laughs> OK, which ones are you? <laughs> Who's really the eldest? I'm the middle. I'm the suicidal pirate. No, already signs of trouble here. <laughs> my older brother's the hip-hop Santa. And my, he was the oldest. Right. He'd beat me up. I'd beat him up. And then he would just cry. I'll show you my dad's painting. Hey, Dad. Yeah. Hey, come over here for a second. What'd you paint this, Dad, 30 years ago? Uh, 73, 1973. Every Christmas, he unrolls it um, and just, like, scotch tapes it to the wall. <laughs> My mom's the artist in the family now. So this is a family of artists. <laughs> the Cho's are devout Christians, which is not unusual in the Korean community. But they are unusual in that they're both artists of a sort. Jane treats the house like an ongoing art project, drawing sunglasses on family pictures, stapling angels to Dave's paintings that have hung in the White House, getting crazy with the glue gun, adorning wreaths with Happy Meal toys, sticker bombing the kitchen with birds, cows, Spaceships piloted by her three boys. She is relentlessly, energetically, and inarguably creative. She brainwashed me from the time we were kids. She'd, she was like, you're the best artist in the world. You're the best artist in the world. You are. Oh, thanks. But now she's telling me she's going to be the best artist in the world. So she's very competitive. She says she's going to destroy me. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Food is ready. So you want to explain what everything is, Mom? The food I prepared tonight is a very common Korean food, kalbi jim, which is a beef ribs, the stew. The kimchi is looking fresh. Yeah, the kimchi is fresh. Today is chestnut rice. No one has this kind of rice. Special rice. Special rice for Tony and all. And then stuffed peppers. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's David's favorite. Chung po mook, seaweed, and jellied mung bean. Japche, vermicelli noodles with shiitake mushrooms and vegetables, avocado egg rolls, fried squid and shrimps, potato pancake, 
Often at the Cho House, there's a few Mexican dishes sprinkled in as well. It is always a great meal, I can tell you that. Thanks, Mom. This is delicious. This is awesome. <laughs> it, it is indeed. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> During the riots of 92, Jim and Jane Cho worked as real estate agents and property managers. So the destruction in Koreatown had a direct impact on their lives. The Cho's watched from home as the chaos unfolded on TV. After the riots, Jim wrote a letter to the editor that was published in the LA Times. I'm extremely angry with the LAPD for their outrageous action. While the cops let looters run wild and rape our city, they somehow had time to bother Korean shop owners guarding their stores. How can the owner of business just sit back and watch his life be burned to the ground? David would have a very different reaction. My brother stole a car and we went into like all the neighborhoods and then quickly realized it wasn't like about race, it was just about people stealing stuff. And But we were out looting, we were causing chaos and you know, I don't think we got anything good. I think I got a TV stand. Was it life-changing for you? It's like you grow up and you things are explained to you. Like, here's police, they're not doing anything they're supposed to do. You're just like normal men and women of society, like just acting like animals. And I was like, oh, everything I've like been taught and, and learned my whole life is just disintegrating before my eyes. But in the end, we're, you know, from great disasters come great things, right? I mean, Koreatown burned down. But it's like we own LA now. It's like half of LA. Now it's Korean culture. K-pop and Psy, all over the world influence, you know? The filmmakers, all the, all the top yeah. uh, Korean filmmakers. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> what about me? Culture, yeah. Artists, yeah. right? Yeah. Except to you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> it's incredible. Original book, uh, <laughs> Today, I went into all the ways, different ways you guys used to beat us when we were kids. The stress positions, like, you know, yeah, but all what, the Korean punishments. What's remarkable to me is that every kid. Right. I mean, all Korean kids. Yeah, all every Korean, Korean kids. kids. The same position, holding, you either hold a book. Oh yeah. yeah, that's the way we learn from the generation to generation. We don't know why. To take a peek into the dark heart of the Korean psyche, maybe it helps to get familiar with Han. It's a concept that for non-Koreans can be difficult to fully grasp. All right, you want it? Here we go. Han denotes a collective feeling of oppression and isolation in the face of overwhelming odds. It connotes aspects of lament and unavenged injustice. Wow. In some occasions, anthropologists have recognized Han as cultural specific medical condition. Someone who dies of Han is, is said to have died of Hoebyeong. Hapyeong. It's a heartburn. It's heartburn. Wow, I mean, it's been described to me in a way that made it sound benign. This is a burning uh, sense of injustice, besiegement, and, and desire for revenge. The Han is the reason why, like, we are who we are, but it's also the same reason why I won't marry a Korean woman. <laughs> no. You never know I know tomorrow. No, I know, Mom. <laughs> He's cute. Main drag of K-Town. Another mini mall among many. Karaoke 
No. This is the best dumpling spot in town. My mom would just order all these dumplings and just like leave them on my door because uh, she's not allowed in my house. And then <laughs> I just said, uh, where are you getting these? You know, my mom likes to withhold information. So I finally got it out of her. Myungin dumplings, where they serve a mix between Korean and Chinese. Each plate handmade to order, my friends. Opened in 2007 on Olympic Boulevard, it's run by Yu Jin, a Korean by way of Shenyang province in China. I've been coming here for about two years now. Mm -hmm. There's no one ever in here. Every time I've ever come in, I don't understand how they're open. They're the best dumplings I've ever had. Maybe people just get them to go. Right. They all look like buttholes, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> Kind of, yeah, pre-prolapse. <laughs> Wang Mandu, King Dumpling. Thick dough stuffed to the gills with pork, kimchi, and vegetables. Precisely made, weighed, and crimped. Steamed until soft, eat. Wow, that's nearly the size of your head. Yeah, you know, it's like pizza. I'll eat them cold, too. Right. Save two and have them for dinner. And mandu, smaller with thinner dumpling skins, served with red chili paste. It's a dessert one. That's got oh red in it. Wow. Oh, these are delicious. These are just, like, so huge. Go for it. Still can't believe mm. So would this be classically post-drinking food or pre-drinking food? <laughs> Laid out a base of absorbent material? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bread here. I don't really drink. I'm just uh, falling under peer pressure right now. <laughs> I'll be one of the cool guys, so. I like this place already. Good signage, it's important. Yeah, the sign's awesome. If that sign does not sing to you, then we cannot be friends. Mari. Hi. Hi, Danny. How are you? This is my uncle Tony. This is Mari. Hi, This is uh, Harry Kim, a.k.a. Guam Cruz. There's more Koreans right here. <laughs> Some friends of Cho hey. seem to favor this place. They are a thirsty and diverse bunch. I'm asking everybody, stress position as a child? Did, did you have to do the uh, knees oh, forward? The, <laughs> you know about it went right in? Right into it. Yeah. Stress positions? Yes. <laughs> you did that. Just, just the speed with which they assume the position. <laughs> or... You have to hold the bucket over your head with the water. Water? Yeah. Wow. What if your arms get tired? They make you do it again for another 45 minutes and an hour. The whole thing is doing it again. Look, I'm not Korean. I'm not Asian. I'm a white boy from the suburb. But I noticed something over time in my K-Town adventure. Similar anecdotes, you might say. You know, they've done this quite a bit, so they came up with a new one. I was very aware that all my Korean friends, no matter how creative or successful, seem strangely haunted by something. But I never knew this. How do you do it? Oh, the dongjing. It goes, oh. it goes up the ass like this, and then... It's like opening up an umbrella inside someone. <laughs> <laughs> this to your friends. Or colleagues. Or colleagues. They think it's hilarious. And adults do that to each other. What the hell that's about, I can only guess. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. Cheers. Korean's gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're Korean now, officially. <laughs> Pretty much any Korean you meet anywhere, you can take it for granted they like food. 
that they're passionate about food, particularly their food, which of all the immigrant cuisines has probably been messed with the least. Unlike many other new arrivals, Koreans seem to have been the most unwilling to accommodate Western tastes. Maybe that's why it took us so much time to love this stuff. Beverly Tofu House, like so many of K-Town's finer establishments, is tucked away in the corner of a strip mall. This is one of my favorite spots where I've been coming for almost 20 years. This is a soup that's just like, this kind of Korean, but it's really more LA. So this is not a direct transplant from Korea? It became what we're about to have here in LA. Interesting. They're different because of the ingredients we couldn't find, right. but never thinking about pleasing the American palate, just to make ourselves happy. Sundubu is the thing to get. A fiery, tongue-searing, ass-burning tofu soup that'll make you forget every bad thing you ever thought about tofu. A spicy, spicy red broth and tofu are the base. We're, we're talking soft tofu here, with the texture of like burrata. And from there, you got a handful of variations. But the most common is with kimchi and a bit of everything. Beef, oysters, mussels, clams. Oh, at Tableside, they crack an egg in there. Wow. Right in there. Cool. That looks completely awesome. Well, we better wait for this to cool, I'm guessing. <laughs> so how do we eat this? What, do you spoon it over? Uh, yeah, yeah, rice? spoon it over, right? Just mix it in. Mm, that's good. Mm. Yeah, all tofu should be spicy, by my way of thinking. So good. Yeah, really good. Koreans can well remember when nobody was interested in their food. Now it's confusingly okurang. Must be strange for the owners who've just been doing what they've been doing for years. Like, for example, like us sitting here like this, the questions a lot of people are asking me in Korean, like, I'm telling them we're filming, you know, we're trying to show a piece of Koreatown. The, the number one question is, they're not mad or vindictive, is why? It's still why. It's like, why? Why would we be interested? Why would you be interested? Why would you waste your time? There's other things to do. It's an extraordinarily beautiful and delicious thing. But see, that's the thing is, the beauty is just already a given. It's already part of the fabric, so it's like, why congratulate you, you know? There's no reason to congratulate you because this is like what we do. That sounds awful, honestly. That sounds just totally <laughs> joyless. That sounds totally joyless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did your parents want you to be when you grew up? For me, uh, doctor, lawyer. Right. Obviously not a doctor or lawyer. Did you finish college? I finished college and I went to one year of law school and I walked out. Right, so you're a bad Korean. Yeah, I'm a bad Korean. If I was a mediocre accountant, it'd be better than being a top chef. According to who? According to Korean culture, according right. to Korean uncles and aunts, and it's just, it doesn't register that that is a profession. You know, I wouldn't have to explain myself if I just said I was a CPA. Right. Never. You know, that's, that's, that's weird I, shit, you know? I, I, you still got some explaining to do. Still. To just get it across that I, that I cook and that there was this phenomenon that happened on the streets of L.A. that changed and opened up Korean culture to, to the world. What does it mean to be Korean-American? Does one create one's own world? I don't know that I'm any smarter about that now than when I first came to K-Town in the middle of the night and discovered a strange and fabulous and delicious slice of America I'd never known was there. But I'm trying to figure it out. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.